Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Pastor James Biddle and Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. Remember, we are blessed to be a blessing. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you caused it to grow this morning and bear much fruit. Thank you, Lord, you give us wisdom and the words to hear from you. John 8, as we receive your word, know your word, we're free in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. We're launching a brand new series this week, and we're going to continue over the next few weeks on shine. Because letting your light shine before men is easier than you think. And how appropriate is it what Jen shared about doing the simple things, the simple yes. I think we make letting our light shine too complicated. We think, I've got to have all the right batteries, and I've got to have the right lumens, and I've got to have the right uh, environment. And I believe saying simple yes to opportunities is a tremendous way that we can let our lights shine. So I want to just launch into this this morning. I believe it's going to help everybody in the room. I'm very, very excited about this series. It's one of my favorite series the Lord's put in our heart. And it's because we've all had those experiences where we had an opportunity to share our faith or to share our story. And some something came up that stopped us from doing that. We felt like we should share, felt like we had an opportunity, and our heart was beating fast, and our palms were sweaty. And how many of you know what I'm talking about? You felt that butterflies in your stomach, and, and for some reason, insecurity or anxiety or fear or the environment, uh, you did not share your story. You did not share what God was doing in your life. And so over the next few weeks, we want to embark on a journey together to give you practical things that you can do. Next week, I'm so excited, Pastor Rick's going to be preaching. Come on, don't we love Pastor Rick and Miss Susan? Encourage those guys. He's going to be preaching uh, even more in depth on how we can practically share our story. We can start conversations. I heard a, a preacher this week say, it's not the conversations we should just be counting. We should, I mean, it's not the conversions that we should just be counting. We should be counting the conversations. And so some sow, some water, some reap, some plant. And so let's begin to to take the journey of how can we start the conversations. Not only are we going to teach you, but we're going to give you practical challenges. How many of you need another challenge in your life? How many of you need one more thing to do during the week? But we're not going to leave you empty-handed. We're going to leave you equipped with something to actually do each week over the next four or five weeks. You're going to have a, an assignment. It's going to be a challenge. And it, let me just encourage you, as you step out in this, I love what Jen said, as you say yes, look at your neighbor and say, I'm saying yes. I'm saying yes. As you say yes to this series, to shine, letting your light shine before men, I believe your walk with God will go to a new level. If you feel like you've become stagnant in your relationship with God, if you feel like you've become stagnant in your, maybe in your intimacy and love with the Lord, this right here will take you to a new, it will be so refreshing when you are able to share your life and your story. Let's look at our text, Matthew chapter 5. We're going to jump in this morning. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. Now, I know Chris Tomlin writes some great songs during Christmas about Jesus being the light of the world, and I appreciate Chris Tomlin and all that he does. But I'm here to tell you, theologically, Jesus is no longer the light of the world. Jesus is now the light of heaven. The Bible says in the book of Revelation that we don't even have the sun in heaven because the Lamb is the light of heaven. So Jesus is the light of heaven. Now, the Bible says in Matthew 5:14, you are the light of the world. You are now the light of the world. So if your candle is not burning bright, there is no light. You are the light of the world, like a city set on a hill that cannot be 
hid. Now look at verse 15. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket because the basket would catch fire. Amen? We all know that that's what this verse means. It says, no one covers their light. Instead, they put a lamp on a stand where it gives light to everybody in the house. So God lights your candle. God puts a light in you, and it is your responsibility to put it on a stand so that everyone in the house can see it. This is an awesome text right here. In the same way, verse 16, in the same way, notice what it says, let your good deeds... Somebody say shine. Let your good deeds shine out for all to see. I love Jen's introduction to the sermon. She had no idea what I was even preaching about. The gospel is always received on a greater level in my life when I do a good deed, when I share a good deed, when I minister to a need. I've always said if you open, if you open the heart with compassion and if you touch a need, God can fill the heart. If you touch a need, God can fill the heart. Notice here, Matthew 5, 16, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. How many of you have wondered what the key is to unlock personal evangelism? Why do 95% of Christians never lead anyone to Jesus? Why is it so hard? Why is it so difficult? I'm here to tell you today, friends, you don't have to know the four spiritual laws to lead someone to Jesus. You don't have to have all the 16 fundamental truths of these sins of God memorized by heart. I don't have all the 16 fundamental truths memorized by heart to lead someone to Jesus. It's as simple as a simple yes. It's as simple as a good deed to let your light shine for all to see. Now let's look at one more text here in Romans 15. I want to balance this out with a with another passage here. It says, "We who have strong faith, how many of you feel like in the house you've got you've got faith, you've got strong faith in the Lord. You love God. We who have strong faith should help the weak with their problems." Somebody say, "He's talking to me." He's talking to me. Nobody wants to admit it, but I'm talking to you. We who have strong faith should help the weak with their problems. Well, that ain't my problem. Yes, it is, according to the Bible. I ain't ain't dealing with that. That ain't my problem. Let those who are strong in faith help the weak with their problems. We should not only please or serve. That word please can be translated serve. We should not only serve ourselves, but look at the next verse in Romans 15 too. But we should please, we should serve our neighbors. Let us do what is good for them and let us build them up. So this series has two components. This this series has two two layers. One component is your neighbors. We're going to really focus on how can you begin conversations with people in your sphere of influence, people you already know, people you're connected with. And next week, Pastor Rick's going to really talk to us about how do we share that story with people that we don't know, maybe with strangers that we're not connected with. So we're going to have two tracks that the train is going to run on through this series. You know, there there's a, a mysterious element to sharing our faith. We all know we should do it. How many of you know you should be sharing your faith? Let me see your hand. I believe we all want to do it. Kathy, I don't, I'm not up here to inspire you to share your faith. I believe everybody in the room who loves God, you are inspired enough to share your faith. We don't need necessarily more inspiration. We need more information. Many times we feel ill-equipped. I'm just going to stumble over my words. Or or what if I mess up? Or what if I fail to give God good press? Or what if I do evangelism wrong? We often feel more secure staying silent than messing up. 
we often feel more secure staying silent and we make excuses sort of like this family on the screen. Check it out. Look, the new neighbors are moving in. Oh, hey, uh, would you go say hi and help and offer to help? And invite them to church. You know what, Chloe? That's a great idea. We'll go right after dinner. Mom, we didn't get to say hi to the new neighbors yesterday. Oh, babe, it was real late last night. We'll plan for the weekend. Look, they're home. We can go meet them. Baby, they're busy bringing in the groceries right now. We can help them. You know what? It's not a good time. They do neighbor ladies nice. Wait, wait. You met them by yourself? No, she just waved at me earlier. What did you say? What'd you do? I waved at her back. Ugh. We can go. They're right outside. No, 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 no. Not like this. I mean, I, I gotta make them something. I gotta buy a gift. That's it. No more excuses. Tomorrow we're going over there and introduce. They're moving. We can say bye. No. No, 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 no. no. Ah, oh, come on. Wasn't that good? Reaching out to our neighbors does not have to be as hard as, as we make it, and I believe as hard as what, what society has made it. And, and this is our goal. Look at the next screen here. I want to show you. I have a hope for you in this series. I have a goal for you. This is going to be a new natural normal. How many of you would honestly say, honestly say, sharing my faith and expressing in conversations and just meeting needs, and just being Jesus to people, letting them see my good deeds and glorifying God. How many would like that to be a natural normal? Let me see your hand. I believe everybody in the house. A new natural normal. Here, here's the goal. Every, every member in our church, we believe this by the end of the year. Everybody say, by the end of the year. We didn't say one week. We said by the end of the year. I believe every one of you, by the end of the year, will have an opportunity to have a God conversation with someone you know, someone you're close to, maybe maybe even a stranger, and you will have a chance to share your story in a new, natural, normal way by the end of I believe in six to eight weeks, every one of you could even be having these conversations and, and bringing people to the Lord. So let me just say a verse, uh, a, a word here about this, this series. Yes, this is congregational, but this is very personal. This is on a one-on-one -on -one level. Joseph and Kaylee know people and are connected with people whom I will never meet. And so this is a very, very, although it's a congregational project, it's a congregational program we're launching to reach our, our city and our communities and our neighbors. It's, it's also individual and we need to take that. Now, look at this outline. We're going to be breaking down an acronym for REACH over the next few weeks. And this is what we're going to be looking at starting today. We're going to be talking about reaching the right people. What we're going to be talking about the next few minutes is readying your life, getting ready to reach the right people. Well, you mean there's wrong people to reach? Well, we need to bump into people as they're on their path to meet Jesus. We need to intersect with people who the Lord is already working on and drawing, and it will make things more natural, more normal. We'll have a much higher success rate if you want to use those uh, secular terms if we are actually reaching the right people. Number two, we want to engage through kindness. Kindness. 
We're going to begin to ask God uh, today, later today, you're going to write down six names of people that you know who are far away from God or not in a good church. Uh, and I was a little convicted, to be honest with you, because I had a hard time coming up with six. And I told Pastor Rick that that's the problem in the American church, is that I had a hard time naming six people in my head just just instantly. I had to sit down and really think about it. I had to kind of really dig deep around. That's honestly, ladies and gentlemen, the problem with American Christianity is I don't know enough people who are far away from God or de-churched or unchurched. Or to, to, so, so we're going to ask you for six, and then we're going to begin to narrow those down through prayer. And we're going to pick two or three that we're going to begin to engage through kindness. And then we're going to advance one, maybe two of those that we've narrowed down even more that are very receptive to our kindness. We're going to advance them towards a relationship. Then we're going to work on connecting them to your church. And then you are going to have the opportunity to help them grow in Christ. And so this is this is an outline of the next few weeks of how we can reach. So let's jump in today real quick for a few minutes to reaching the right People. Now, I wish uh, Josh and Crystal were here because he would understand this example. But how many of you have ever flown in an airplane? Let me see your hand. How many of you know what an airplane is? Amen. Everybody in the house. So when you're flying in an airplane, I don't know if you've ever seen a runway. Have you ever seen a runway from the from the sky looking down? There's so many lanes. Susan understands this. There's so many lanes. There's so many lights. I would be so confused if I were trying to land that plane. There is one runway set for that plane. And you have a window of time to land on that runway. And if you get on the wrong runway at the wrong time, then you can cause a major disaster. You can cause major injury and death. You have one lane, one window, and that's what we're going to be talking about today, reaching the right people. You're going to land your plane of personal evangelism to the right target, to the right people. I mean, if you're going to fish, you need to go to the right pond in the right season with the right bait at the right time. And so let's let's take a look at our next scripture. It's in Matthew chapter 9. I want you to see this here. Matthew chapter 9. I want you to see how Matthew in scripture did reach. Matthew chapter 9. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting in his tax collector's booth. And how many know Jesus really went after the winners? <laughs> how many know Jesus really went after the, the, the people that were loved here? He saw Matthew. Now notice what Matthew did. Jesus said, follow me and be my disciple. And Jesus said to him, and so Matthew got up and followed him. Now look at verse 10. I want you to see this in verse 10. Later on, so Matthew now took this invitation to meet Jesus. And now Matthew turns it into reach. Matthew, Matthew's thinking, how can I reach my friends? How can I reach my family? How can I reach my coworkers? I know, I'll throw a party. I'll have a barbecue. And you know what? Not only will I have a barbecue and we'll have ribs and we'll have all the drinks and snacks and all that, but I'm going to invite Jesus and his disciples. And as we're eating, as we're roasting the pig, as we're hanging out, as we're having the party, hopefully Jesus and some of his disciples can connect with my tax collector friends and then he can reach them for the kingdom of God. Now look at verse 10. Matthew said uh, later on, verse 10, he invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as a dinner guest along with many tax collectors and other, say this with me, ready? Disreputable sinners. Well, how dare you hang out with not just sinners. How many of those sinners? And then there's Luis. I mean, hallelujah. No, I'm just teasing Luis. It's too easy. I mean, oh, there's sinners, and then there's disreputable sinners. Amen? And so this is not, he's not just, he's not just inviting people who, you know, drop the F-bomb every now and then. Come on, let's be real. 
He's not just inviting people that have a beer every now and then. He is inviting people who are disreputable sinners. And he's bringing Jesus to them. You see, they would not go to Jesus. These disreputable sinners are not going to go to the temple. They're disreputable sinners. Even if they wanted to go to church, they wouldn't go because of how people would stare at them and judge them and condemn them. You're not going to find these people anywhere near the temple. So how can they intersect with Jesus? He brings Jesus to the tax collectors and the sinners. How many know just being a tax collector qualifies you as being a disreputable sinner? Amen? Hopefully the IRS is not listening to this. But Now let's look in verse 11. Look in verse 11. I want you to see this here. But the Pharisees, the religious people, the church people, they said... They said, why does your teacher eat with such scum? Have you been accused lately of eating with scum? If you've had lunch with me lately, don't say yes. <laughs> Anybody at the men's breakfast yesterday, that's not a good time to say yes, okay? All right. Why do you eat with such scum? This was the view of the church. I've got a sermon that I preached maybe, I don't know, 15 years ago, and I've still got it. It's called Breaking the Image of the Church. And it was, I used, I played off the old Sprite commercials where they would say image was everything. And I talked about the image the church had, that Jesus came to break the image of the church. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time we break the image of the church. I, I was convicted because I've not been eating with scum. It could be debatable. I mean, some of the people I've been eating with, but, but it's not. It's not disreputable sinners. I've not been eating with the, the lowest of the low. I wouldn't be seen with those people. I'm a man of God. I'm a minister. I can't do that. Matthew did, and he, he, he was able. Jesus didn't kick him out of discipleship. Hey, you ate with these scum. You're no longer a disciple. Cross you off the list. Matthew was rewarded because he did this. He reached. Look at verse 12. Oh, I love it, man. Jesus just got up in his crawl, man. I'm telling you, it just, this just got Jesus going. When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor. I see my doctor once a year for a physical, and I tell him, I hope I don't see you again for another year. Healthy people don't need a doctor. Say this when we ready. Say it out loud. Ready? Sick people do. Sick people do. You know what the church is? Church is a place to come and be tanked up and be filled up and get your assignment and go out, but the church also has an element. We, we are a hospital for the sick, the spiritually sick. So let's go on down to verse 13. And then he added, so go. He gave them a command. He gave them a challenge. He added, now go, for this is the meaning of the Scripture. I want you to show mercy. Somebody say, have mercy. I want you to show mercy, not just offer sacrifices. The religious Pharisees were great at being religious. They were great at being legalistic. They were great at doing churchy-looking things. But Jesus said, I'm not looking for just your ritual or routine. I'm looking for compassion. I'm looking for your heart. So before we ever reach out to our neighbors and, and our co-workers and our friends, our heart must be ready. We must ready our heart with compassion. We must see people as Jesus sees them. He said, for I have come to call not those who think they're righteous, but I've come to call the sinners. I've come to call those who know they are a sinner. 
So the first thing I noticed here is you can leave that up is it's not the healthy who need a doctor, it's the sick. We must approach this with compassion. Look at the, the definition of mercy. I think we have this on the screen. Look at the definition for mercy. This is amazing when you read this. Jesus said, I'm not looking for ritual routine. I'm not looking for just sacrifices. I'm looking for mercy. When he looks around the room, I'm looking for compassion. It is kindness or goodwill towards the miserable and afflicted. Kindness or goodwill towards the miserable or afflicted. It is joined with the desire to help. You see, it is not compassion if you're not motivated to help. If you see someone and you feel you know, goodwill toward them, or you, you feel, all you have is sympathy. God's not looking for just sympathy. Sympathy looks at a problem and doesn't do anything. Compassion sees the problem and takes a step to fix the problem. You can, Jim, you can look at your needs in, in the island where you work and serve, and you can have sympathy for the, the house that's falling down. You can have sympathy for the community center, the kids that are being trafficked. And, and sympathy, you know, that's okay. I'm not, you know, just downing sympathy. But compassion is different. Divine compassion says, I see a need. It hurts my heart. I'm going to do something about it. Ladies and gentlemen, that's what Jesus said. He said, I'm not just looking for sympathy. I'm looking for mercy. I'm looking for CIA, compassion in action. Amen? I'm looking for Christians in action. Don't be a secret service Christian. Let your light shine before men. This is good preaching, all right? Notice this here. It's a readiness. That's a big word. It's a readiness. Let me give you an example. Pulled into a pilot gas station the other day. Well, let me back up because even this was, was an element of being ready. A guy that I work with, a co-worker, um, needed to hang a shelf, and he's much less handy than I. I'm not very handy, but he's, he's negative on the <laughs> DIY scale, if we just want to be honest about it. He was kind of saying, you've hung some shelves. What would you do? I could tell he was kind of fishing for like, hey, would you come and help me you know, do this? And I finally said, man, let me just go. I'll help you. I got time this afternoon. So I was doing an act of compassion, went and helped him hang a shelf, and it actually turned out level. I was so excited, praise God. And so we hung the shelf, and, and then I, I realized I had to go get gas, and I had to go way out of my way. I was behind. I was behind schedule. I was at least an hour behind schedule from where I thought I needed to be. And all I wanted to do, Mary, was go into this gas station and get gas. That's all I wanted to do. And it was a very crowded gas station. Every pump was filled. I found one pump open, and I turned in, backed up, and went in. Got out, and there's, there's however many gas pumps are at a gas station. 10, 12, 15, 16 people there. And, and all of a sudden, I turn this way, and I make eye contact with this guy. And I thought, oh, why did I do that? <laughs> why did I? I thought, turn slowly, turn slowly. He'll never see and the guy walks over to me, out of all the people in the gas station, and he says, man, he said, I got, a, I, I, I got $4 that I just put in my gas that I borrowed from somebody. And I walked over and looked, because I don't believe nobody for nothing. Uh, I went over and looked, and it said $4, and he really did. He said, he told me this story, long story, his, his, he was living with his father and his father's girlfriend. His dad passed away, and then she ended up kicking them out. And so for the last four days, they've been homeless. And he showed me, opened his deal to show me, because I guess people don't believe people. And he opened it, everything I got, man, is in my car. He said, we are so hungry, can you give me money for food? And I said, well, I don't have any cash, because I don't carry cash. And But there's a Hardee's across the street. And I said, I'll take you over there. And 
and get you some food. And, and when I'm driving, I called Tara. I was like, well, I'm going to be late. She's like, why? I said, because out of 16 people at a gas station, God decided to drop this guy in my lap. And, and, and Hardee's took forever. They were so slow. And the guy had like three kids and a wife. And, and, and so guess what I did when Hardee's was taking their sweet time cooking hamburgers? I'm loved on the guy. Bless the guy. I talked to him. And he ended up said, you know, he said they were believers and all that. And I said, well, I just want you to know that, you know, I'm helping you because God loves you. And I gave him the church card, invited them to come, and said, look, if you want to come, I know you guys need showers. Give us a call on the voicemail here. I never told him I was the pastor. Not one time. Not one time did I tell him I was the pastor. Because I didn't do that as the pastor. I did that as a Christian. I did that as a follower of Christ. And you know what? When I got in the car, even though I was late, an hour late. This set me back an hour. I was already, I was already late, had to, and this made me later than late. I felt so refreshed, and I said, Lord, thank you that you chose to use me to do that. I felt so encouraged because I shared my story. I got to share my faith. I got to share my hope. I had compassion on him and his family, and it moved me to action. And it was that simple. It was very natural. Look at Jude one twenty two. It says, you must show mercy and compassion to those whose faith is wavering. Matthew 9, 36, Jesus saw the great crowds and he was moved with compassion. So compassion moved Jesus, it should move us. So this is not a duty. I'm not putting a heavy on you. You need to witness this week. You need to share your faith this week. Every good Christian should lead someone to the Lord. No, this is about you having a heart that is ready and open with compassion. And then when the door opens, you walk through it and you walk through it with compassion. Look at this screen here. Again, mercy. One more time. I just want you to see this. Mercy's kindness, goodwill towards the miserable. Joined with a desire to help. It's a readiness to help. And so Jesus just doesn't want religious service, religious actions. He wants genuine love and compassion. Look for this. Look at this PowerPoint for life. I want you to see this on the screen. Sharing your faith is a part of who you are. It's not just something you do. Sharing your story, having conversations, it's really a part of who you are. When you became a new creation in Christ, this is what you were created for. Look at this next screen. I want to free everybody in the room right here. Look at this. It is our role to convince the mind of God's love. It is my role to convince the person I'm ministering to that God loves them. God has forgiveness. God has mercy. It is the Holy Spirit's role to convict them. I convince the mind. That's all I have to do through my good works, through my good deeds, through my compassion. I convince the mind, and it's the Holy Spirit's job to bring conviction. So let's ready our life to be used by God. Let me show you real quick what this looked like in the Apostle Paul's life. Let's ready our heart full of compassion to, to be an outreach for the kingdom of God. Look at 1 Corinthians 9. This is why we played Shine during the meet and greet. I had Jazz bring back a song from way back, and we appreciate that. Look what Paul said in this. This is so powerful. This is just, just going to really help you in such a great way. Even though I'm a free man with no master... I become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. Paul saying, I give up my freedom and my liberties. I give up my rights. I had every right to be on time. I had every right to tell that man, no, I'm sorry, I don't have any cash. No, I'm sorry, I don't give strangers money. I had every right to reject his request to help for food. Now notice, I did not just help with food without attaching it to the gospel. Otherwise, you're just doing a good deed and you're just helping. We must attach it to the gospel. 
That's when the power of God is activated. Notice this here in verse 20. Paul said, when I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew. Now, I'm not saying when we were with the heathens to live like a heathen. You get the point here, though. He said, I, I want to bring Jews to Christ. When I was with those who followed Jewish law, I too lived under that law. Even though I'm not subject to the law. Notice here, he's conforming his preference. He's bending his preference so he can reach some. He said, I did this so that I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. Look at verse 21. When, when I'm with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I live apart from that law so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? Love your neighbor as yourself and love God with all of your heart. Notice here how Paul is reaching out to people. Look in verse 22. When I'm with the weak, I share in their weakness. For I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find. Here it is. Are you ready? I try to find common ground. Who in your heart, who in your neighborhood... Do you have common ground with? If you live in the same neighborhood, you have common ground. If you work in the same office, you have common ground. If you go to the same school and share a class, you have common ground. If you eat at the same restaurant, you have common ground. Even with your servers and, and, and waitresses and waitstaff, what's the common ground? You work here, I eat here. We have things in common. Look for common ground. Look at this. With everyone doing everything that I can to save some. Is it said of me that I do everything that I can to save some? Or do I just get my tablet and my phone and look at my phone as I'm checking out in the grocery store and just forget about the person behind the cash register? Do I just go on about my little busy world in my neighborhood and forget that most of my neighbors are out cutting the grass on Sundays when I go to church? I'm just doing my thing. I've got my life. I've got my kids. I pull in my garage. I go in the same door. If you look at me, and, and if I see you looking at me, I'll wave. Because I don't want to be a mean neighbor. I'm not going to give you the one way to Jesus sign. Amen? Or do I do everything that I can? Pastor Rick, this convicted me. I'm, I'm ashamed to say that as a Christian, not as a pastor, I'm talking Christian. I'm not doing everything that I can. I do a lot that I want to do, but I'm not, am I doing everything that I can to save some? Now notice this here. Let me help you. Ready? You can't save everybody, but you can save some. That's why we're going to start with six, go down to three, then one or two. I'm not asking you to win ten people to Jesus this year. Let's just find one. So here's what we do. Ready? Write this down. Make yourself a servant. Make yourself a servant. Have a high level of intentionality. Make yourself a servant and be very intentional. Leave this PowerPoint for life as we close this session today. People may not always remember what you say, but they will always remember how they felt around you. They may not remember what you say in your words, and, but they will sure remember how they felt around you. I had the other privilege the other day to have somebody come to my house and do some work. Somebody that Jim knows, great, great young man at his company. We were in a project, and it was a little bit over uh, my head, and, and, and I said, do you know anybody? Jim's in construction. and So he sent this guy over there and, uh, and just had, had a couple of days to really love on the guy and bless him. And, and it was the very last day before he was leaving that he actually found out I was a minister. I hid it from him the whole time because people act different, you know, when they think you're a pastor. You, you know, they'll be cussing up a storm. Oh, don't cuss. He's a pastor. Well, you know, 
don't cuss anyway, but, you know, thanks for, you know, thinking I'm a minister, so you don't want to cuss from me. You know, people act weird if they think you're a religious or a Christian or especially a pastor. We just loved on the guy. Every time he came over, offered him water. I said, do you want some water? You know, I was annoying about it. You want some water? You want some more water? You need some water? I was just excited just to serve the guy. Can I help? Do you need anything? Can I just carry it in his tools? Just loved on the guy. And then we, they were getting ready to leave, and we made this awesome pot of chili. How many of you thank God for chili? Man, I thank God for chili. Uh, if you're ever counting calories, don't measure out a cup of chili because it is not very much there. I'm just going to tell you, all right? Brooke knows what I'm talking about. Just not a lot at a cup. But we had them stay. We, we gave them chili. David, we said, look, stay and eat. And he was a, he was a Hispanic brother, and he had a helper with him, and she had never had American chili. And they were eating, and he, he said, why are you so nice to me? He said, you're so nice. You're the nicest client I've ever worked for. I said, I'll just tell you, it's because, you know, you." I said, I, I'm a Christian. I love God. And I said, God wants us to be kind to people and nice to people. Totally invited him to church. Jim has been backing that up, inviting him to church. I'm believing him and his family are going to come to church. Why? It started out with kindness. Amen? Instead of, he's just this little worker that I've hired to be in my house. How about he's a human being with a family? Tell me about your kids. Tell me about your, what, how did you get into this? We sat on my front porch for 45 minutes and talked. I know so much about this guy now. And if, if all had said, well, you're my worker, you do this, I'll pay you, and you're gone. How about there's a story behind that little guy working on my drywall? How about how long you been here? How, how, tell me about your family. People will never always, not always remember what you say, but I can tell you something. He remembered how he felt my presence. My kid sat on the porch, and, and Ava was trying to talk Spanish with the guy, and he was laughing because she was messing up, and it was just, we just had the best time. And I told my wife, and I came in, and I said, I said, that was so easy. That was so natural. And you know where that came out of? Preparing and studying for this series. I didn't force anything. I just loved the guy. Gave him water. Offered him chips and crackers, and you want to take a kid with you for a day? <laughs> they could help you. Do you want some chili? Who knew that the gospel could be presented over a cup of chili? It's amazing. It was so normal and so natural. And I can tell you, he will always remember how he felt around me. So Joseph, would you pass those out for me? Pastor Rick's going to come and help us with this last part. Here's what I want you to do, okay? Today, if you can, and if you have to finish it tonight and bring it back later, you can. Here's what I want you to do, all right? I want you to write down six people you know who are far away from Christ, who you know are not in, involved in a good church. or You know, if they go to church once every six months, you can put their name down. Don't, don't play God. Here's what I mean. Well, they're Buddhists. They'll never. No, don't play God. It's not your uh, job to put filters here. Just write down six people that you know who are far away from Christ now, if you see them this week, don't talk to them. Say, God told me to put your name on a postcard. <laughs> don't do anything yet. Wait, we want to help you. We want to do this together. We want to equip and help and train. James 4.2 says, you have not because you ask not. So Pastor Rick's going to come and lead us in a, in a time of prayer. So take just a few minutes and put these names down. And ladies and gentlemen, we, we can make a significant difference by the end of the year for the Lord. Amen. Give you a minute to write your names on your list.
y'all stand with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this great message that we heard this morning. I'm reminded in your word that you tell us that it's your will that none would perish. But not only that none would perish, but you have a plan for people on this earth to know you, that you want them to know you as their Savior. We thank you, Father, that you're always pursuing us and you're always pursuing the lost. Lord, I think of Psalm 139 that says that every day of our life is written in a book before it comes to pass. Every name on our tongue, you know it before we speak it. And Lord, I pray for each and every one of us over the next few weeks, especially as we hear these messages, that you would set up appointments with us, that you would help us to meet people at Kroger, that you would help us to see people in the parking lot, that you would make us sensitive to the needs of those around us, that we would be sensitive to that we know when you're leading us to step out and that you would give us the courage to do so. And Lord, we lift up the people that are on our list today. Lord, every name that's written down, we ask that you would begin to send Christian laborers across their path that people would start to share your word, to share your love with them. That would happen through, through actions, through, through times that they could love on them, that they could minister to them. And we lift them up to you. And we ask you, God, that you would give us opportunities to share your love with them. And we believe you to do great things in their lives, Father. We're believing for you to do great things in their lives. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. What a great message.